Welcome to the Mortal Realms, Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. In this episode, we cover the lore of the Ideneth Deepkin Battle Tome and your allies through the whirlways. This episode are. I'm Davey, and if we're going to spend this much time under the sea, there better be a hot crustacean band. <laughs> uh, I'm Aaron. I'm a Namardi, and I like to party. And this is Eric, and I can assure you, you won't want to miss the most current episode we've done to date. That's four of them right there. That's Bang. a record. In this episode, we dive into the Ideneth Deepkin battle tome and submerge ourselves in the lore as we fish for secrets of these briny elves and information on their controversial god of light, Teclas. If you listen to this on a podcast, leave a review. If you watch this as a video on YouTube, like and subscribe the channel, and please, please, please share us with those you know new to the AOS community. How are you doing tonight, gentlemen? Doing just fine. Pretty good. A little soggy, but doing just fine. A little soggy. salty or salt? Um, why not both? All right. That's good. I feel pickled. Pickled, okay. pickled pink. To, to be covering this battle tome story now. Hey, good like, start. Start, yeah. Guys. yeah. Well, what's what's awesome is that uh, we're just excited about this. I mean, I think everybody's excited about this release, um, and and everybody's you know like like jumping out of the the ocean into boats, like we're like fish trying to be caught um, in order to like cover this and talk about it and share it. And losing me a little bit on that one, yeah, actually. Metaphor, like you need to. We need to break you out of this. All right, I'll I'll get the net. Um, and we'll, the, we'll, we'll reel it back in. Um, there we go. Uh, so tonight we're just going to be covering, uh, the, the story phase, the, the lore, the, the deep dark secrets, as I said, of, uh, the Ideneth Deepkin battle tome. Do you guys, uh, how do you, how do you guys want to get started? You just want to talk about overall? Um, well, should we start from their origins from whence they came? How they sure. they came to be? Sure. Um, I mean, the, the beginning is a great place to start. I've always I mean, uh, said predictable. <laughs> well, I mean, we need to introduce a little bit of predictive predictability. As, as, as predictable as Eric trying to cram fourteen thousand puns into the first thirty seconds. Sure. I mean, I could have called I mean, that one. I mean, that would have been a record, Davy, and there'd be surely uh, you know news crews here to cover that. Sure. Don't yeah. don't call me Shirley, um, guys. I would have shut this. Right, go ahead. <laughs> the the origins of these elves, these Ideneth Deepkin, harken all the way back to the, basically the world that was. Like that's where the the story is going to start for these guys. Uh, in, a, just, in a bigger way than any other faction so far, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. Usually, there's a hint or a slight mention, but it's like they own like their connection to the world that was many times through this. Sure. Um. So I sort of taking a step back from the elves themselves. I even from some of the earlier fiction, it was said that the, the elven gods, the elven pantheon, Tyrion, Teclis, uh, Malarian, they had a hard time finding uh, a lot of elves in, in the mortal realms, which is odd because it turns out there's a whole bunch of them just kicking it in his ear. <laughs> but um, I, let's disregard that. Uh, but they, they were they were hunting for their el for their elven kind, and they didn't know uh, where they had went. The the problem was is that back in the world that was back in the end times. Um, those elf souls were actually uh, swallowed up by a particular missing chaos god that we know as Lanesh. Yeah. Um, 
and so what, uh, that's that's where they've been hiding this whole time. What was what was uh, you know? So we we kind of knew that Slanesh had consumed the elves from the world that was what I did not know, and maybe it was mentioned somewhere else. But not only did he consume all the elves' souls that died, but he went to the underworlds of the world that was and consumed the souls of all the elves that had already died in the world that was. So sure. he got he got them almost all. Apparently, not quite all, but uh, that was. You know, take something dark and make it darker. Yeah. Well, and I don't, maybe this is jumping ahead too much, but he's not even just eating the, the souls. Like he's eating their gods at the same time, which I don't know which is more impressive, impressive. But um, <laughs> because it's at this time back in, in the end times, he's he's eating the elven souls and he's eating the the elven pantheon, uh, proceeded to eat this, uh, ends up being a bigger name. Uh, uh, was it Mathlan? Am I saying that yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Bunch of consonants, consonants in that one. Um but also, the, pro, also a pro, a proponent of STEM education. Oh, I'll let I that sink in. Yeah, <laughs> well, I like the sink. I'll give you credit for that one. Uh, <laughs> we, he's we a math like the god of yeah. math. Math, okay. Yeah, we need we need graphics kind of like groaners up here, like check, yeah. you know, little tally marks. Yeah, you got thing. a big white surface behind you, Eric. You can you just get a wax market? Yeah. yeah. Wax pencil. Mark oh one. man, there's no way we're getting to time on this one. Um, but uh, so yeah, Slanesh yeah, eating these elven souls, and 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 the end times cracks off, and the, the world it was is 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 destroyed. Um, well, in the the very last, they say the the last elves that Slanesh ate were the ones that Mathlan hid away in the world that was, and so. Um, in in some strange uh, work of physics, the last souls in. Uh, kind of were the ones sitting on top. Sure. I mean, that's how science works. Yep. <laughs> we don't make the rules. Um, so then maybe we can, now we can fast forward to uh, not Age of Sigmar necessarily, but Age of, Age of Myth anyways, where uh, those elven gods I was mentioning before um, are hunting for those souls uh, through some storyline that we know know quite yet they're able to get a, get a lock on Slanesh. Did I read somewhere that Zinch had a hand in it? I think that's some story. Yeah, there's a there is in the Disciples of Zinch book. They make mention that uh, Zinch kind of led uh, the pantheon of order to his brother's hiding place. Too. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Uh, it it may mean, not be explicitly described, but it's strongly implied. Sure, I reckon we'll get that story one day, probably. Oh, yeah. Um, so they 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 get a they get a lock on, lock on Slanesh. Um, he's hanging out in between in between realms. Uh, between light and shadow, which seems like a great place to hide stuff these days. If you want to hide a, a city made of glass, you, you could probably hide it there too. Um, that's a shade spire reference. That's where it is. Um, uh, and so from there, they're they're able to get a, capture them, lock them down, um, and start squeezing the souls right out of them. That's how I picture it. Anyways, yeah, just one after the other. Um, and like you said, the first ones in, or the last ones, or last ones in, or the first ones out. Um, we start popping out uh, the the or the original Ideneth elf souls, even though that's not what they're called at the time. Um, somebody want to tell me how that happens? Explain it to me. Yeah, Teclis is so they they're the three gods um, and uh, Marathi um, have kind of a plan to take this elf stuff and kind of treat it as. Um, kind of forging material to to create elves in the mortal realms and you know in um the legion of gash um book uh 
battle tome. It talks a little bit about how Nagash saw a bit of this um, as Marathi was kind of taking some and hiding some away. But he particularly it mentions that partic in particular, elf souls have unlimited potential compared to other types of souls. So they can become lots of different things or, um, you know, whatnot. So really makes me feel uh, bad about myself. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of places where you're going to, this is why nobody should like it. <laughs> um, so, so they, they each kind of want to, you know, form a race, uh, in an image that they are thinking about. Um, and in, and in particular, Teclas is wanting to kind of recreate some of the, the, past elven pantheon and you know particularly the elves that he loved from the world that was the high elves and uh uh so he he does so he creates them sure. uh, and then there's this sithai c-y-t-h-a-i yeah that's how i yeah sithai um and and in doing so then as part of this he created them but they these souls came out of slanesh and he went through this process, casting this light of reason. Um, and there's another term called receiving the Eolus. Um, and these new elves that he created shrank away from that light. Um, some of them even died to the light. Um, and there's this, uh, there was this idea, this at least one, you know, uh, one group of them was called the iron rack, which we'll learn about later. Um, and one of the greatest of them, High King Volturnus, um, who wasn't the High King at this moment, but these elves are considered to be like the closest to perfect in his in what Teclas was trying to create. But even they felt like there's something horrible deep down in their psyche, imprinted from their time uh, inside of Slanesh, and it caused them to flee to run from this light. Sure, and I think they really stress that. Um trauma that like that, that that these guys uh went through while hanging out inside of slanesh I, re I reckon nobody would have a great time of it in there but like i mean however long the gap between the end times was and and you know the equivalent of age of sigmar like they, they're presumably just getting digested uh, tortured yeah. whatever the equivalent is i reckon that would mess with anybody yeah. um for, you know centuries at a time and it's a, a, sort of a theme throughout this whole book it's something they can't ever really get over mm -hmm. um so when somebody comes and gives you a sweet as gift of life light and reason um they you know whether or not they thought that they were worthy or not but they, it, it's something they couldn't accept it's something they couldn't uh deal with yeah bummer which has caused a bit of controversy uh i mean coming from the end times and then seeing kind of the first that we learn about techless uh kind of in the in this new new game and in this new in this new story kind of paints him out to be kind of not great guy at least that's some of some of what people have uh, asserted what is your guys's feelings on techless at this moment i disagree like he's doing what he can man like what, how are you gonna blame a dude for like trying to teach you how to read or whatever the equivalent was <laughs> like he's, he's doing the best messy messy can davey hit me mixed, mixed bag because uh once he once he realizes these, there's a, a flaw in these guys. If his reaction is like, "Well, I'm going to hunt these down. I'm going to wipe them out." Like this is, I, whoops, my bad, abomination. I'm going to go kill him. And uh, it was his brother Tyrion who begged him not to, uh, to completely wipe them out. On top of him, maybe not being able to find them all. In his but, defense, have you ever tried to teach someone how to read and them not being able to do it? Like you'd want to? No. Yeah. I mean. But uh, but I I do hear where Eric's coming from. Like all through the end times, he's you know 
he's one of the few people with enough power to maybe avert the apocalypse. And so he's trying to do what he can. He has some, you know, desperate plan and it fails. And it's like uh, the saying where, you know, history is written by the victors. So, um, you know, in hindsight, you can look like, mm, yeah, you really screwed things up. But uh, at the time, if it worked, then he'd be the hero, you know, go for it. Yeah, I, I think that there's some um, some myths and archetypes here where, I mean, on one hand, in the end times, right, this was a cyclical thing. They speak a lot about like, so to on one hand, he's just a cog in a wheel, right, playing his part in this cycle that repeats itself. Um, so, you know, maybe he's the fool, but like there was a fool before him and he's just, he's just, you know, the reincarnation of that fool, maybe. Um, in this case, like where he's at now, you know, and is, this is interesting because when man, when we got Manfred back in some of those stories, we thought, well, Manfred's different now. Yeah. Maybe he's, you know, he's helping. He's allied to the Stormcast. And, you know, and there's some things that kind of bring back, oh, that's good old Manfred. Um, and, and there's some of those things here where I think sometimes too, like he's, he's the God of light, which in this game is knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's, there's bound to be that character flaw of like the most knowledgeable person is blind to something. Um, and so maybe, you know, there's this sense that in his desire to bring back, you know, the best that you'd think of, like he overlooked something. Um, so I, I think that there's, you know, and these are mythic creatures. So I think characters. So of course there's gonna be some flaw here. Um, at the same time, like we're reading a lot in line importance about uh you know stormcast really going to town on trying to root out the chaos taint you know um and so he sees that in his own kin you know there's there's a some part that's like hey we got to get rid of this like we can't just let this chaos fester mm-hmm. um and so there's there's that part of like being responsible for what you created as well um and when we're talking about gods like sometimes that means destroying what you create i guess and I, I don't really put his responsibility at the same level of like, you know, a dad, <laughs> I guess, sure. but, but maybe, you know, um, maybe, maybe taking this action, they seen it as for the greater good, right? Like he's yep. a responsibility to the realm, not just to these things that he created. So, yeah, but we'll, we'll find out some more about that relationship later too. Um, sure. But I, I would agree. I mean, I think, I think there's two sides to that story. I think you can, if you want to paint him as a buffoon, there's there's enough material to throw at him. Um, what colors? If you're gonna paint him a buff, as a buffoon, what colors are those? Uh, red tomatoes. Sure. Do you throw those? I guess. Right on. Right. I think Any we, other? We 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 cracked that checklist nut for sure. <laughs> we uh, made the case. We made the case. I agree. So uh, I ho- so I hope Chuck does. I hope Chuck approves of our of our. Uh, sure. It was it was it was a. Chuck question, right? Who brought that one up? Yeah, Chuck uh, Chuck Moore, O-D-I-A-M-H on Twitter. Hmm. Thank you for the question, Chuck. Thought-provoking. Um, so, uh, Teclas realizes his, his elves aren't all there in, in some way or some shape or form. Um, and, and he's set out to you know try and kill him, but uh, Tyrion stops him. And the, the elves flee. They flee from his, his light, from his reason, and they, they dive into the ocean. Because that's where I'd go if I needed to run from a god. <laughs> um, and uh, they need to sort of find their way um, in the deep places of, of the world. Um, and, and, you know, highest is where they start, the, but they end up spreading all across the different mortal realms. Um, so 
obviously they're dealing with sort of this internal turmoil, you know, psychologically they got to, they got to tackle, but also they they come across another issue they have as, as this sort of newfound race. And that's that their uh, souls don't work. They They forgot to pack their whole soul. Yeah. Oh, eesh. Awkward. I mean, I forget my toothbrush a lot. So yeah. Swimming trunks for me. And you, and you solve those issues by going and raiding uh, villages to take what you need, right? Steal their tooth, toothbrushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, to break it down, um, this 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 soul situation is uh, so that the, there's the initial grouping of of elves that popped out of Slanesh, and those are called the C word that I don't know how to pronounce, um, and they're also like the awakened. Um, however, they if they try to procreate, is the yeah. word um, make it to babies. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, don't, I don't know much about babies. Um, but uh, it, it turns out uh, some fraction of them uh, end up being viable. It, it turns out more often than not, uh, like, what is it? We wrote it down. One in a hundred um, will, will end up being sort of healthy and, and hearty and hale, which is a word they throw around a lot. Um, but everybody else ends up being uh, either lacking a soul or having a really withered, uh, weak soul, and they die sort of die on the vine uh real quickly um and that's you know sort of the first issue that they they face amongst many others um and sort of how they're they need to um continue their race um and, and keep them keep them running if they most of their their progeny end up dying off um how do you guys feel about that being being dads i mean that's dark yeah. uh you know just the idea of bringing because a lot of we don't talk a lot of procreation and fantasy in terms of like all cultures. I mean, we the big one always comes up is how do orcs have babies if they're all males, you know, and there's this they're all fungus or they're not, you know, you don't see the women or that sort of stuff. I don't know. Um, but in this case, we've got uh, we have a uh, you know an issue with uh, um, the ability, and and that's tough. I know, um, you know, a lot of people go through that. That's not a like uncommon thing. And like just the idea of and and congratulations, Aaron. I don't. I think since the last time we recorded, um, you know, you've you've got a new one in the nest, right? A new what? Uh, a baby. Oh, I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations, and and so just we're we're that's a delicate time to be thinking about this type of stuff, right? Don't I'm not sure that. she has a soul right now, so. <laughs> Is she withering? Uh, uh, good i, I wouldn't call what she's doing with the ring so <laughs> but yeah it's a, it's a hard topic and but it it takes a already rare resource in in elves and makes it even more rare and special um and uh you know one of our one of our our uh, lord barian on twitter uh nico asked the question what separates um the elves with souls uh from the elves without souls and um, you know, it, the, 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 the Idakin or Sidoneth break very clearly down those, that line of those without souls are the Namardi, uh, the withered souls. They like um, the and, you know, most of them become, are the low class. They become, they don't have energy. They don't, they're not strong. They're not healthy. Uh, most of them are laborers and work in their cities and the strongest of those become uh, go to the battlefield, join the military willingly um, because of what the military does. Um, and we'll talk about that a bit. Um, but 
they become the thralls and the reavers and they make up the, the, the numbers. There's more withered Namardi than there are um, hail, you know, Sithai, or in this case, the other classes, which are the Isharon and the Achelian. Um, so yeah, the Namardi, the withered souls, they got, they got a, a bad lot in life for yeah. sure. Yeah. It gives a nice sort of tragic underpinning to the army. Like they do some pretty, uh, awful things like raiding all kinds of settlements, uh, raiding other elves, all these, you know, in the hunt for souls. And so they need a pretty strong motivation for why they would do that. Right. Like, why are they, you know, you, you just need to know why they're doing it. Like corn might do it for the fun of it or, you know, whatever the case may be, but why are, why are these ostensibly order aligned elves doing these awful things? And this gives you a reason why, like to what length would you go to save your children, save your race? So do we want to skip maybe to, to talk about what the, their solution is to this? Like, yeah. so not only are they withered souls, I mean, a lot of them are just initially, a lot of them are just dying straight off because they didn't have souls enough to sort of keep them going. And so mm -hmm. early days, the uh, Adeneth developed a scheme or a mechanism by which to sort of bolster or reinforce the souls of these of these Namardi and I get presumably some other version of elves. Um, and to do so, uh, surprise, they just steal them from everybody else. Uh, <laughs> initially, they try to steal them from, you know, sea creatures, which I think is a pretty well, depending on where you, where you fall, maybe it's a victimless crime, um, but uh, it ends up not working or, you know, it only grants them a little bit more of a life lifespan, but then they still doesn't sort of stick. Um, so what they end up needing to do is steal souls of, I don't know if it's sentient creatures or, I don't know, basically if, if they have an army, they probably have a soul that can be stolen by uh, mm -hmm. the, the deepkin. Um, and so there's a pretty order, elaborate involved process to go out there reaving, uh, hitting settlements, taking their, their denizen souls and, and storing them and, and sort of injecting them into the, the offspring of, of these elves. And so when Davy talks about how, how you could justify such, you know, what seems like senseless violence, well, it's not senseless when you're trying to save your entire race. Definitely. Yeah. It's, there's definitely a, a sense of, of, you know, do you, do you take care of your own? Do they, do you, is survival of your entire species more important than, you know, everybody of another species living, right? Uh, there's plenty of them in an abstracted way. And so does that justify it? Sure. Although, you know, we're at constant war. So I don't know if Darwin considered this in his survival of the fittest <laughs> theories. Yeah. Yeah. The those Glock canaries, Island, those canaries the didn't need to, yeah, to steal any a souls. different place. Yeah. So, uh, weird. Continue. So in order to do this, uh, the Namardi weren't enough to, aren't strong enough to do this on their own. And so the, they have to rely on the other, um, the hail, um, deep kin, the Achelian, uh, which are the warrior elites, um, who, you know, uh, run the armies that fight in the armies that, uh, are the cavalry and are the, they're also the nobles and, um, you know, uh, prince or that kind of class and the Isharon, which are the magic users. Um, and whereas the Achelian are the ones who go in the battle, they go and they hunt, they go and they raid, they go and they, they find those soul resources. Um, the Isharon are the ones, uh, with the ability to, um, work with the tides, work with uh, taking the soul, severing it from the host body and 
and making it available for their uh, the Namardi and, and that sort of thing. Um, and there's a really strong culture on both of these sides. Um, the Kellyan have just this super... There's an interesting thing because uh, one of the interesting things about this birth rate is that like if you take uh, two Achillean and they have a baby, there's no guarantee that that baby is going to be in uh, uh, hail, that it's going to be healthy. Um, all of the deep can have the same chance of having uh, a withered child as they do as having a healthy one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and talk so, about this being like the number one thing that they've been like, they've been trying to figure out the why behind this, right? Like it's the, it's the one answer they want probably more than anything. And they, despite all their efforts have not been able to figure out the why. No. Yep. So there's no, like when we think about genetics, like that's not the thing here. Um, and so the, no, no pun it squares <laughs> where you can do that. Well, so the Akalian and the Isheron are very much, I mean, they, their children have become Namardi. Um, and so when we talk about the, uh, there was a question about, you know, how much animosity or, you know, well, in, in particular, what separates them, certainly withered soul, not withered soul, but the Kellyan are going to war on behalf of the Namardi, right? Yeah. Lord Barian's asking, what's the difference between like, what separates the, the, the ones that do have souls, the Kellyan and Isharan? Is yep. not, not what separates the ones, the souls from the soulless, like. How does one fall into one of those two casts? That's how I read his question here. Yeah. So I already, I answered that in brief um, already, but uh, just thinking in general, there's like there, there's the, there is a question out there too about like, what's are, are the Namardi treated as a, they're a lower caste and there's certainly some negativity towards them since they are not as withered souls. They're not treated as fairly. Um, but at the same time, uh, the Kellyan and the Isheron um, function and are going out on raids to help their, you know, their whole community survive. Sure. That was a, a question by uh, Kyle V. Valdi, two thousand and eleven, was asking if the two factions, if they if they pity the Namardi or if they're or aloof. I think we, I think it's pretty clear that they're not aloof. The fact that the entire society is willing to go to war to keep those Namardi um, sort of functioning you know alive as long as they can i think kind of proves that they even the upper casts care enough about them to to keep them going furthermore like often they're going to be those like the 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 achillian's kids like that knowing that like Mm -hmm. your kid came out without a soul yeah i mean presumably i'm going to go fight a steal all sorts of souls to keep them alive so i think there's there's heck even a certain level of familial Familial, I the word, um, familial uh, connection between these people as well. Like, you never know if you're, I mean, there's a great chance your kid is going to end up being a, a Namardi. And so, like, because of that, I think there's a strong connection between sort of the upper and lowers. And just because you're putting them to work doesn't mean you look down on them per se, just more that's probably what they're suited to, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, that's, maybe that's classist, but. Well, uh, I mean, they are seen, they're certainly seen as tainted, like that. That being said, like they're, uh, there's a reason they're a lower class, right? And so um, while they are going to war for these folks, they're also like, they're still a little bit of the other and the strange or, or whatever. So, sure. Oh, I have eyes. That's odd. No, yeah, I agree. I think, and I think that's where the, that struggle is. Cause yeah, they do. There's certainly uh, instances where they're, the way they treat them, the way they, you know, that they're the laborers and not the nobles, right? Um, the, what's interesting about the Isheron is that 
there's so many different ways that they're using magic in in this cast in this uh, grouping um from there's uh tide casters um who are masters of the sea and the air and the current and they control the aether sea which we'll talk about at some point uh there's soul scryers that uh um kind of are the navigators um and can find the brightest souls uh the ones that would have the you know best uh efficacy for their needs. Uh, there's soul renders that can re help remove that animus from others. Um, but these guys are also trained in combat, which is pretty cool. Uh, they can revive uh, the Namardi with the, those souls. And so they can kind of do this transfer thing. There's soul wardens who do this kind of tally thing. They're keeping track of their soul resources. Um, there's a, an interesting, um, I guess we'll get to that part of their culture where they store these these souls that they capture in uh, these living coral reefs called corilliums. Um, there's Truheus healers. There's Embalers, which use their magic to tame the beasts. Um, there's Corallus, which uh, craft living structures through song. Uh, and there's uh, Incubati, uh, which are keepers of those uh, with the withering souls, so custodians, um, and work with the uh, Corelliums as well, but there's like, there's even more than what they list here, I think. Um, but there's just, there's just a richness to how, um, they use magic and, and Teclis taught them that, that reading that he taught them was, you know, some of that was magics and how to, how to work in the world. Um, but when they left and fled, they didn't have everything that they needed. And so they've had to work and like, uh, find new magic uh in the sea and in themselves um and in their kind of elf essence um to create all of these different ways that they use magic to survive in these uh deep dark places which is yeah. uh, pretty cool i like to kind of equate it to like there's the lores of magic that like we know like the eight realms or like from eighth or or whatever but um these folks kind of created their own like lores to, to some degree um it focused on like the things that they were specifically like the things they cared about so like instead of the lore of death they're dealing with the lore of making coral into a tower or something yeah. um and so uh i don't know I, I saw sort of the equivalent there that they, they they had to focus on their own sort of isolated lores of magic which is kind of cool there's, there's some mention in one of the the realm gate war books of uh free people mages like chrono mages and something else too like builders that can manipulate stone and stuff like that um so there's kind of this idea of like functional mages not the opposite you know there's there's battle mages that we have war scrolls for sure. um, but the that even the you know free peoples use magic for a lot of different things too so yeah that, that there's there's function like their magic isn't just something for the battlefield the people are using it all over which has cool implications for you know uh aos role-playing you know down the road if it ever shows up um <laughs> and on uh, final thought. No, I lost it. Keep going. Yeah. So I, I just thought there, they, this book talks a lot about their magic users, not just in battle, but in their whole kind of society and ecosystem, just in the same way as the Achelian uh, aren't just on the battlefield, but they're also, you know, nobles and they're, they're, um, they have to negotiate with each other and work out society and that sort of stuff. And when you're a dying race, a dying society, and you're all kind of affected by this withering, um, it, it creates a lot of tension. And then the, the other thing is there, so 
what we run into is that because they fled, they have to deal with this withering, but they're also dealing, uh, the place they decided to go in the world was down into the depths of the oceans where the biggest, baddest, meanest creatures live. Sure. So that's second thing they are up against. <laughs> I mean, that's no, no, that's no big deal though, right? They got uh, this. No, no big deal. So, uh, and that, if, if there's themes sort of permeating through this book, that, that's another one, I guess, is the, is the isolation and then the, the, the survival aspect of what, what they have to do. And I, they sort of go hand in hand, right? Is the more isolated you get, harder survival is when you're dealing with, like you said, the biggest, baddest beasts of, of the ocean. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's this aspect of this isolation. One, it's because they're, I mean, you're a wounded civilization. How do you trust anybody not to take advantage of that? Um, you're ashamed, right? So you're going to a place where you feel like you're worthy of or that, you know, you're not worthy of better, maybe. Um, and then there's this aspect of being down in the depths where you're depraved of a lot of senses, um, that is connected to, you know, how, how Slanesh is all about overcharging your senses, um, in kind of, uh, embellish or not embellishing. Um, Oh, help me out. Enhancing, yeah. uh, yeah. Indulging. Sure. Yeah. Like the you, sensory deprivation chamber, right? Like, like if you had uh, near eternity in this, uh, Prince of excess, you know, stuck in there, then the last thing you want is to be around anything you know, anything else. So like get in there where it's dark, get in there where no one else can get at you. No. Yep. And they, and they seek that they, that there's, there's this part of their psyche that they're afraid of letting have any space. Right. Um, and so they, they deprive themselves. So there's some, some self punishment in that, which is, which is um, again, dark and sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how long did that, how, how did that isolation go for them? I think it it went fine for a while, as well as living at the bottom of the ocean could possibly be. I, I obviously, and as we've sort of alluded to, just the fight in the beast like that, they, it took some doing to establish themselves down there um, when constantly being snatched out of you know a cave by an eel or eaten by a shark or something. Um, you know, as happens when you go swimming. Um, so, uh, but once they were able to sort of establish their uh, Kingdoms, I don't know what you'd call them, cities, settlements. Enclaves, yeah. Enclaves, oh, good. Yeah, I'm <laughs> referencing notes from earlier. Uh, it, I guess whether or not this is true, whether it's a function of their, their internal taint or what have, what have you, but I, familiarity breeds contempt, and they, they started having to like branch off. Like Once they were able to get like a handle on like their civilization and get their numbers at the right level, um, they mm -hmm. needed to expand and branch out and sort of individual enclaves and end up having to having to do their own thing so there was a i think a, a brief ex expansionary period um that's how gw can justify all the different color schemes for all the different enclaves <laughs> that it's around the different realms um which is cool no have an a, a recovery period yeah, yeah yeah exactly um and everything's going great and they're just stealing souls and living the dream uh lucky for them um however well, they're aided by this. This whole thing is they have these this uh, magic of you know this seclusion thing, but the, this magic that makes people forget them. Right? Sure. So um, they can make these raids, and as long as they're not overextending, then uh, you know even, even if some people are left alive, they don't really remember what happened. So it helps them to 
to keep this anonymity throughout the age of myth. Sure. And it's something, at least if you ask them, they, they, it's necessary. It's something they need for their own sanity or, you know, what have you. Uh, however, nothing gold can stay. Well, real, um, sorry, to keep, I know you're trying to hit this point, but we keep stopping you. <laughs> sorry. Um, in that that you know memory repression, there is a, there was a question from Valdi, uh, 2011. Have they uh, been a part of any of the storyline already that is explained by them vanishing from memory? Um, and Davey, you had uh, recalled uh, such an occasion. Well, just recently in the uh, uh, Legion and the Gash, and uh, uh, some of those. Midline importance and, and such. They talk about um, Nagash knows, and we we know that uh, he thinks is the Sigmar is stealing souls that rightfully belong to him with the the whole Stormcast situation. Uh, but uh, there's references like, hey, some someone else is stealing souls, and I don't know, haven't figured it out yet, haven't cracked the code on that. Arcan's trying to figure it out too. And at the time, you know, we're hypothesizing like maybe Manfred's, you know, trying to sneak in there or something else but you know it's, there's good reason to believe that this must be what they're referencing um as far as something bigger than that uh reaching further back possibly but i can't you know i can't think of it and if you you know there's they're explicitly mentioned in some of the more important stories but davy do you think would you suspect that they are mentioned in previous like realm gate wars but they've wiped it from your memory i knew where uh, that was going yeah. Well, here's the thing on that is uh, they, they do mention uh, that the Stormcast somehow prior to the Realm Gate Wars did know the presence of the Ideneth and uh, they sent an emissary uh, to request assistance and they were turned down. Um, the Ideneth weren't ready to uh, come back up and be part of this whole thing. So uh, that explains their failure to or whatever their decision not to participate in the Realm Gate you Wars. You skipped like two ages, guys. <laughs> No, this is well. This is still Age of Myth. Um, yeah, Stormcast didn't exist in Age of Myth. Don't oh, do a narrative podcast. You should know that. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, but so the the them trying to reap souls, and um, one of the things that they used for, as far as storytelling to hide their existence was the rise of chaos. Um, and so in the Age of Myth, prior to the Age of Chaos, um, you know they're they're doing their raids. They're you know, um, killing, you know, attacking villages, um, and stealing their souls. And uh, an interesting aside of that or effect of that is that when they take somebody's soul, it just puts them into a sleep that they'll never wake up from. Uh, and so like there's part of that, that Which, lore and that craziness is that those, these entire villages of people that are asleep that will never wake up at this point in my life. sounds really great. <laughs> 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 new dad fatigue yeah. uh but uh yeah it's um but so they use this the chaos uh, up you know the increase in chaos activity as a cover for that as well um but uh where but then what happens aaron i'm not even a slanesh guy and this like this tickles me pink to reuse the phrase um so is, is okay and, and someone's gonna have to help me here they're they're found out or someone's able to sniff them out um is this because of the the deal with the gods and Marathi taking elf souls out of Slanesh. Marathi's been real sneaky and like skimming off the top, taking extra souls, and that's thrown the whole balance out of whack. And in doing so, has sort of eluded, or like alerted uh, Slanesh followers, has given them sort of a, a, a hint that there's more out there, and they're and they're hunting other souls. Is is that where that comes into play now? 
I, that might be a little bit later. It's it's not a hundred percent clear to me. And again, Eric mentioned this early on, like the book kind of jumps around, hits the same thing several times from different angles. Um, I, I think that, I think that happens a little bit later. What happens here is, uh, um, a keeper of secrets slish the depraved they're they're doing their seekers of slanesh thing they're trying to find slanesh and he happens across this uh idnf man right as they're raiding a village oh is that where okay so yeah. they didn't find him in the ocean gotcha i read follow the book honest <laughs> well I mean, it's just one little bit in that that timeline stuff but it follow follows them back uh you know starts carving them up but uh then gets himself wiped out um by counterattacking attacking uh, so it sounds like, you know, well, one, one nice thing they, they say there is here, here's the problem is that, uh, demons, you know, they can be banished, but they are immortal and uh, keeper of secrets are not always accurately named, uh, so, uh, which, uh, which then, uh, later the gaunt summoners, um, get some, get some sense of it. They figure out this, this demon's true name, call it up, get the information from him. It's like okay, we need to we need to verify. So they uh, send Skaven, uh, Arcan directs Skaven to go, you know, try and find actual proof um, of of the Ideneth to confirm this demon story. It's the most evil game of telephone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what uh, I, I enjoyed this because I, I thought it was cool. It, it, uh, it reinforces Arcan as kind of this, uh, where, like chaos often is chaotic go figure uh but this this gives them a uh you know shows how some of the the grander schemes are are uh, operating or some of some of the structure like that it's not all just chance you know there's there's uh intention behind some of the things um that that's what make our makes arcan uh, one of the more interesting villains of the of the age of sigmar so. sure it's not his three-headed dragon it's it's stuff like this um <laughs> And so the the Skaven find like one or two, I forget, one of the at least one of the enclaves, the, the enclave that's riding on a, a continent-sized creature's back. But anyway, um, they they start, I guess, submarining down there. So, so there's a bit of a kind of a the the Skaven find them. Uh, the I think they find the um, the the uh, shyish ones, um, or it's the not notally the nautilus, nautilus. Um, and they they wipe out those Skaven, but. They send more Skaven, wipe those ones out, send more Skaven. So there's there's a few attempts over like a course of maybe like, uh, you know, a, a, a 10 years or maybe a century. I don't know. Um, One of those two. And then finally, um, uh, they get through. Um, and I, th- I think they end up, they drain. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of, there's, there's a couple of like enclaves, like uh, offshoots that get wiped out by some Skaven. But there's this, uh, um, one of the on one of the the sea in Shyish gets drained mm-hmm. uh, by a Skaven gnaw hole, mm-hmm. and, and you know when you're when the curtain falls and you're you know down at the bottom of this uh, this this ocean or sea or whatever, yeah. um, it's no longer hiding you, right? Um, and this this event actually might be detailed from the Skaven perspective in the Great Gnaw, one of the Malign Portent stories. There's okay. certainly one where they, they there's a Skaven tunnel that accidentally breaches uh, and gets itself like super duper flooded all the way back to the Skaven city. So, <laughs> this might be it. Yeah, this might uh, this might be the so, other side. So there's a couple of different enclaves that are getting um, you know runs run-ins with Skaven, and the one that you mentioned with the the Nautilus, 
their um, their city is on top of a giant um, creature, uh, and I think they get they get pretty well uh, beat up. Um, but in this case, it was the oh the name of the 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 Igmar uh, Deepkin. Uh, Sure. Are in this this ocean and it gets drained and Nagash is able to see them, uh, and uh, and from what, Nagash then, now like geez. Nagash is able to see them, um, and Gash. so so now the dead uh, the undead are uh, trying to cross heaven you know heaven and earth I guess uh, to try and wipe them out uh, because Nagash knows he knows a lot, um, but I think that. This sort of highlights, um, and I think we've we've touched on maybe the main antagonists. But despite their best efforts of hiding at the bottom of the sea, like nothing stays secret for long uh, in the mortal realms. And uh, you you can try and like interact with the world as little as possible, but someone's still going to find you eventually. And so um, even the most you know secretive races are, are going to come up with some enemies uh, along the way. Um, and sort of going to it's going to drag them into the if not the spotlight into, you know, some, to the surface, at least of, of the, yeah. the moral realms, which is why we see him. Well, there's a couple of uh, cool things. I mean, to talk about is I think, I mean, one of the things that's going to help determine kind of their future is if we talk about the enclaves a little bit, um, cause there's some interesting insights that come out of uh, reading about the enclaves. Um, but there's also a really quick, what's cool about this book too, is about all the sea creatures they talk about that aid the um the Ideneth. and you know you talked a little bit about how like you know they're fighting these sea creatures they're trying to domesticate some of them um and uh what what they find too is that some of the the they can't use just beast handling like there's no way to domesticate any of these creatures um it seems like so they have to use magic to control them but that doesn't totally work until uh, they figure out how to that they need to blind some of these creatures, like rip, like again, rude, uh, you know, cut their eyes out, and then the, this kind of mind control magic I, works. I need better. to say it, like, who discovered that? Like, who figured <laughs> that out first? You know what I need to try. <laughs> uh, you know, I, and I, it, to me, I was trying to figure out if they'd tie it like eyes are the window to the soul. What? Um, no, that's fun. You know, if that has anything with they, if they cut the eyes out, then there, there's no window for the soul. I don't know. No, I um, but uh, so there, but there's a ton of these cool creatures that that they use. Um, so the they couldn't use um, you know traditional like animal handlers. So they created a new cast of of magic user the the Ishalan, uh, Ishalan called the Embalers. Um, and so uh, they had some successes. Uh, the Octars, that's an Octar is the dude, the guy who's uh, behind that uh, um, uh, Soul Warden oh, okay. character. Uh, and then the Deep Mares are ridden by the Achaean King. Uh, oh, man. Achaean? Achaean <laughs> Kings. Um, but then there's some other ones. There's Luminar Fish that provide bioluminescent light to them. There's drool fish that aid in the boring out of spaces in addition to their ability to like, um, you know, affect the coral and all that kind of stuff. There's a store of fish that are, hold arcane charges that they use in their temples and shrines. Um, there's Fuyadan, uh, which have like molten discharges that they use for their forges. Um, 
and then of course you know from the from the cool you know models that are coming out we've got the the alopex uh the sharks they use for monster hunting uh the leviadons which are these giant living fortress turtles um uh and then there's the the fangmora eels uh which i think are going to be a favorite um that there's uh one of the uh sometimes they hunt in packs sometimes they ambush and there was a question again um I had put it someplace else. Are there different subspecies of these creatures uh, depending on the realm they are located in? And there, there are some uh, in one of the enclaves, they talk about one being so awesome and, and aggressive that they are the only ones that can uh, create bond beasts out of the tiger striped, mordacious alopex and the diamond backed red fin fang mora. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Gives you, you know, a reason to have, I don't know, just a little bit more flavor for your individual. Um, units or whatever i think that was a, a baldy 2011 question that guy great questions um but these i mean what did you guys think about these creatures as a oh no did he freeze he did oh geez all right it's the aaron and davy show now I, I shouldn't i shouldn't allude to it let's just keep going and pretend like it's not a thing um <laughs> If you, if, if, any, if anybody listening ever gets a chance to read this book, you're going to be sort of inundated with just uh, just a never-ending stream of fantastical creature names um, coming yeah. through. Like I mean, we, we didn't even we didn't scratch the list whatsoever. I mean, there's there's tens and however, um, and half the fun I think is sort of trying to imagine what half those like creature names what they actually are, what they what they would be. I'm sure there's yeah. a variety of krakens and and squids and all sorts of. Craziest yep. stuff too. Um, that so thing that G Dub does so well, where they do those little hooks to to get you and you think get get your brain thinking. So here's some here's some stuff up front. Here's some stuff that just hit that. You know. Sure. Uh, G Dub, do me a favor and at, at least make some of them. Like make it pay <laughs> off. Like make me um, convince me that these are actually real things. So like you know, however, next time you do it, an IDNF release, uh, make make some of these new ones because I want I want to see the 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 fish tank of uh, all this, all the fish in this army. Um, uh, no, Eric, you're back. Welcome back. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. What do you think? What do you think of all the creatures, Eric? I you loved know? it. Yeah, I mean, I, I like. I always like the stories where they delve more into like how they actually live. Um, I mean, or just how they're getting around, uh, garrisoning, creating their structures, creating their you know, helping them in their day to day and all that kind of stuff. And this is such yeah, a farm. <laughs> yep. The farming. <laughs> but they didn't even remotely talk about farming in this. Kelp harvests. I guess they just eat fish probably. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Uh, I got to catch myself where we're at. Um, so the other thing was then, uh, you know, after talking about those, which I think are an important part was talking a bit about, you know, the different enclaves and, uh, you know, there's, um, uh, of course they split and when well, losing them again, yeah. am I still here? Yeah. Okay. So they use these whirlways to get around that are basically like underwater realm gates and there's a bunch of them. Um, but the, they, they split into these, uh, different enclaves and there's so much character, 
in these uh, enclaves um, uh, that's that just, you know, the, do you guys, uh, I don't want to go to our, our favorites yet, but uh, you know, is there any of these that stuck out to you as, as being unique or something you didn't expect? Um, well, I'll say that one of my favorite things about um, Age of Sigmar or the Mortal Realms or what have you is the fact that we are dealing with like eight very distinct realms and more often than not for each of these armies, we, we end up getting sort of um, hallmark versions of, of each army and sort of how they live in each of the, each of the realms. And, and the Adonath is, is no different. We've, we've got these armies that are sort of indicative of what it's like for a deepkin enclave to live in the realm of beasts or the realm of fire or what have you. Um, maybe some of them are a little on the nose, I guess, in that like the Akshi uh, enclave is real hot-headed, like mm -hmm. literally, like, um, and so, I mean, that's great and, and, and fun. And, and, and I'm sure they have to exist. So by all means, let it be the, the Akshi one. Um, so, uh, but the, I think they tend to stick to the the the, the gur because uh, if they're dealing with a lot of beasts that ends up being sort of their their motif um mm -hmm. i think there's a couple of them in in gyran uh for, for different reasons um there's the uh shyish one because you can expect they they were black they're real, yeah. real bummers the more fan yeah exactly i should be using names but um That's okay. uh, but it, it's Par for the course, but but still fun to read about it's to see how it translates. Yeah. Yeah. It can make for some of the best moments in the novels when you come across, you know, like uh, you know wh whatever race it is and how are they operating. I'm, I'm excited to hear more about the realm of light and shadow because we we haven't seen you know what by and large other than daughters of Cain, which are operating out of there. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's fun fun way to see you know what what do dispossessed look like when they're in um, you know in the realm of death or that sort of thing. So, yeah, exactly. Um, Eric, did you have a favorite of these? Yeah. I mean, my, I think, and, and worth, uh, you know, talking more about would be the, the iron rack, which are the most kind of the top shelf. Um, uh, you know, they would be the hammers of, I was just going to say hammers Sigmar, of Sigmar. kind of, uh, the, again, they were the, the most like what techless envisioned for this race. Um, they describe them as, you know, bright eyed, intelligent, you know, and, and more social, like they're the ones reaching out beyond, uh, they're, they're certainly kind of like the big brother trying to keep all the enclaves together and in communication and talking to each other and, and sharing information. Um, however, um, the one, well, I I'll, I'll use that. There was, there's two of them that are branches off of that, that kind of were like, you know, we like that, but we want to go do our own thing. Um, and the Brian Dar was was one that that uh, appealed to me, um, but I'll I'll let you guys. If Brian Dar is one of, is Brian Dar one of your guys's? I don't want to spoil that one. If you guys, it is. It's mine. Um, okay. Yeah, that is so, that was the one I like actually. Um, so I'll just finish with the iron rack real quick. Is that they they've got um, the the high king is an iron rack. The high king um, uh, Volturnus uh, is the first of his kind. Last Sithai still alive. Um, kind of rumored to be more special than than people think, but but not everybody believes that. Um, Teclis um, gave him his sword and his shield, um, and it's even said in here what it, what uh, what it says here is only the, the the Iron Rack are the only enclave to be led by a living Sithai, and that's Teclis the Illuminator. 
So there's this sense that maybe the iron rack have made amends with Teclas, um, that they mm -hmm. still take, take a lesson or, or, or leadership from him, which sure. is interesting. I didn't catch that. That's cool. I didn't miss that myself. Yeah. Uh, so it's in, if you read the, the, I think the iron rack section, um, of the book. Oh, oh, the iron rack section. <laughs> but it's like, oh, no. right at, I think it's right at the end or in like a box or something like that. But it, it was like, Ooh, weird. Gotcha. Did not expect that. So, sure. um, yeah. I so will, I mean, I will, I'll pass. I like them too. If for, if for no other reason that it sort of, um, gives them a connection to the outside world for, for some folks who are so, yeah. Um, isolated it's hard to see what or just like envision what that interaction with um the rest of the realms would be like so uh, these are the guys that are most likely to to like ally with another race willingly and not just out of convenience sure like, yeah um very indicative of uh how one might classify them as order despite the fact that they're yep steals left and right um yep. but my jam was the Brian Dar. So they're they're a group uh, kicking it in Gairan, which is my favorite realm, nice. listeners. Um, but these folks are real. Uh, they're, they're the masters of like at the ambush and like the hit and run. And uh, for folks who don't know, I'm a, I was a big Wood Elf player, and that, that sort of bridged that that gap or that connection. Um, even though these are elves living underwater, they got a real strong uh, Wood Elf vibe. And uh, I'm into that. Um, they're wearing green, and I, I got more green paints than I know what to do with. Um, and uh, their 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 mounts um, have like a, a, a dappling um, color scheme because they're they're sort of flitting in and out of like kelp forests and stuff. And uh, they're getting hit, you know, with different sunlight and so on and so forth. Uh, anyways, I, I thought it was a real cool take on. A, a way of blending the undersea elves, you know, the ocean elves versus the, the, the wood elves, um, which is a connection that I also get sort of elsewhere in the, in the book as well. Um, they, they do have sort of a, a wood elf vibe, but just, uh, an under, under the ocean wood. That was weird. I don't want to talk anymore. David, what's your favorite? Well, well, real, go ahead. Sorry, real quick. What's most important about the, the Bryomdar is that, they seem to have unlocked some oh, secrets. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to hit on that real quick? Well, other other than that, it, it's just rumored that maybe they have come up with a way to, um, they could heal a soul or you know just reverse the curse that they're they're suffering for. But they don't really allude to how or what or what yeah. have you. Um, yeah, I forgot all about that. I guess I don't really care about souls. I don't <laughs> care about. Um, well, it's this is the ray of hope, right? Uh, in this story, is is maybe they've they've figured it out. Maybe their Ishalan have unlocked something again. They have the the history as a as a, a race of figuring out their own magics, mm. um, and so this is kind of interesting. True, true. Um, before I jump onto mine, I'm going to try to save us for some corrective tweets here. Uh, I went because this is, this is a big thing, right? Like, have they made up with Techless or not? I'm looking at this paragraph. It says, alone with the uh, Iron Rack, alone of all the enclaves, the Iron Rack are led by a living Sithai, an ancient being who was brought to life by the magics of Techless, the Illuminator himself. Ah, I think what Teclas we're doing, though. we're referencing Volturnus because remember, Volturnus. we talked about he was there. So, uh, not impossible that they are making the connection, but I think that um, I think that's what they're getting at there. No, you read so. the sentence better than I did. You're good. <laughs> Um, but, uh, my favorite, I did not pick one of the, the main ones. Um, 
there's the Emerloc, I think you say it, Y-M-M-E-R-L-O-C. They're in the realm of death, Emerloc of mm. Hellfrost. And there's not very much about them, but uh, for a faction that like seems straight out of like a black metal band name, you know, like the, these these are the ones that like double down on that, have the have the name. You can almost see it in that, you know, the crazy metal lightning bolt writing and all that sort of thing. <laughs> Dressed up in the corpse paint and all that sort of. I mean, when you think about it, like this uh, crushing isolation, icy cold blackness, you're like this is a very, this is a very black metal sort of faction, and uh, I really like that uh, going all out on that. Uh, and that's an example of you know just how one of those hooks is. It's really just a name and a where they're from, Hellfrost. You're like, hmm, like that, that intrigues me, and so that that would be the one that I would put together, even though I don't have any cool rules. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, the the you could probably use the Morphan uh, rule sure. or something that they have yep. a something where it kind of like chills the air, like a, yep. a chill mist or something. Right, um, that's a good point because a, a lot of that, like the the Morphan guys have like their Tidecaster Ether Sea sends foes into nightmares and stuff. Like it really, yeah. yeah, ties in pretty pretty nicely. So, I mean, if if you're uh, Ideneth, uh, you see me one Ideneth and and Shyish, you've met them all. Yeah. But, uh, um, so then, so those are, you know, a number of those, um, there is a question about animosity between two factions and, uh, by Valdi, uh, 2011. And one of the factions, Futhuan, uh, Futhuan, Futhuan, uh, of actually, like you said, um, probably the most impetuous. And, uh, we'll talk about it in a minute as we go through some of the different, um, uh, uh, units and that sort of thing. Uh, but one of the things that they try in the society is that they try and keep a balance. So between the, the powers of the Ishlan and the Achillean, mm-hmm. even if they're not equal in number, they try and, and share yeah. uh, rule. Um, sometimes that doesn't work. So the wording of some of these paragraphs, like a paragraph starts off as like, Hey, they try and keep them all balanced. Um, but then also like that doesn't usually happen <laughs> like the, the, the paragraph ends with like well but they don't really yeah. do it. Um, but the Futhan uh unabashedly put the Achillians uh ahead they're more militant and and so the the Achillians are are given more power uh than the Isharan um which is which is an interesting thing so the question was is there animosity and I would say probably not in it they're all in it together um and if and you know everybody's relying on each other. But if there were animosity in one of them, it seems like you know hot-headed, hot-headed Ideneth uh, uh, that this would be the place some of that would could happen within that mm-hmm. faction. Right. Yeah. True. And you kind of touched on how like they're all in it together. I think both sides of that coin are necessary. Like it, it, there's also a theme for me this book saying that um, generally like both methodologies are necessary for the survival of the race in that like you got to be you got to have that martial prowess so that you could go out and like start collecting those souls but like in order for that to be effective you need the magic to both keep the race back home like alive you need them to like you need the magic to collect the souls in the first place and you need the magic to keep the uh, the ether sea going which i guess we really haven't talked about all that much but um it, it you you need both for the the continued success of a, of a given um phalanx or, or you know whatever you want to call it um yeah. so did 
do you guys want to talk a little bit about the ether C or do you want uh, a quick rundown of uh, where that, uh, the, how the Eidolon uh, exists? Good question. Let's do ether, ether C because that's, I think a, a more bigger picture, broad thing. Um, sure. So as, as it just sort of alluded to, um, and anybody who sees the models will note that it's a bunch of under, you know, sea creatures um, with, with a uh, ground basis for the most part, but on a uh, flight stands. Like, how does that work? Do all these eels, do eels and sharks and um, turtles fly? Uh, not necessarily, um, but the, uh, one of the, the hallmark uh, spells of the mage class of the Tidecasters is that they're able to bring the ocean with them in some sense or another. Um, they're, they're able to sort of create a fake ethereal sea to travel along with uh, their, their phalanx so that all their little sea creatures can swim. Plus they have some, you know, added benefit because they happen to live in the ocean. So like uh, if they're fighting different armies, um, and, you know, if someone gets too close, it'll it'll suffocate them because it's basically like they're under underwater, um, or you know, it increases the pressure on on a on a given person. Um, there's not much more to it than that, at least from my perspective. It's basically just a spell. Like it's something they learned how to do, yeah. um, and it makes them more effective. Like I mean, <laughs> I don't fight, but if I did fight, I think I'd prefer to like not be underwater <laughs> when I did it. Um, well, some of the things like like we we're talking about, the Morphan use it can can kind of make it more frightening or kind of make that magic uh the kind of the the mournfulness of the Ideneth and like imbe- put that on the the viewer or the person they're attacking sure projection the, at its finest the nautilar are able to like create um bubble shields um so they can use so having that like water energy up there so they can use some of those same so they can use the same skills that they have in the water uh, on land, right? And, uh, totally. You know the way they they fight, the way they move, all that kind of stuff. They just kind of create a yeah, an ether. It's ether currents and ether wind, uh, water, and all that kind of stuff. Um, which I mean, we've got we've got uh, <clears throat> uh, Dwarden on uh, you know metal bubble ships, you know in ether currents, uh, ether um, uh, ether gold, right, and other gases and that sort of thing. So. It makes sense, or it might it might even be the same stuff? They've just named it something different, or they use it different. You know? Yeah, I didn't make that connection, but ether is like a very uh, uh, purposely chosen word, I assume. Yeah. Um, any did any of that not jive for you guys? Did everything did it all fit for you as far as like a, a magical explanation for it? Uh, a wizard did it. Um, <laughs> it's. Fine. Uh, I don't know. It's it. It's good enough for me to justify why they would be there. Like if if you wanted to make an, an underwater army, you need a reason why they could do what they do, and that's as good a reason as any in my book. Yeah. Same boat. Yep. So, kind of the two things I want to touch on before we wrap up, uh, and obviously if there's if there's more, we can hit more. I want to talk a little bit about the Idolin because I think it brings us back to kind of this this core of their being in terms of the souls um, and then uh, go to kind of the kind of where that leads to in terms of, of how that relates to Slanesh. Um, there is, let's see. Um, there's a fear amongst the Ideneth. And again, it's back to this sense of that there's something broken about them. There's something in their psyche 
that they don't want to acknowledge or have light shown upon, right? Um, and they have this fear that their souls, when they die, might be reclaimed by Slanesh. Um, and so and when their physical shells expire, they use their um, the, the soul wardens and, and the soul, um, oh, all these different terms, uh, soul, soul renders, oh, yeah, renders yeah. um, they put those souls into those corelliums, the living coral reefs, um, and they store them there. And as I mentioned, they kind of can use those souls for different things and they can allot them and they can dole them out and they can use them. You know, if they're going to go on a raid, they could probably bolster some of their Namardi, um, do that sort of thing. Um, but when they need to, when, and when there's kind of a, a consensus that it's a, uh, something that's worth doing this for, they can do this, this disturbance of the dead and they can call upon those souls that are inside the Corellium and uh, the, they're roused and they can send a piece of themselves. So they're not taking the whole soul, but they're sending forth a piece of every soul that's in there. And it kind of forms this consciousness, this personification of this ancestral memory and that these, these um, Eidneth took from Teclis in the stories he told this admonishment or not admonishment, this ad admiration for kind of the elves of old and the, the stories of Mathlon and, and you know what he did for them. And so when they call upon this disturbance, um, an Eidolon appears and it takes the form of, of uh, the shape of the, the visage of, of Mathlon and um, is able to project in kind of a psychic way um, uh, the collective kind of feelings and, and kind of push of, of the, the, the Ideneth. Uh, so each enclave likely has one of these, these graveyards, these soul um, Corellium, and they're able to call upon it and use it. And, and it makes it the way they talk about it is it's kind of like, um, I mean, there's some reverence for it, you know? Um, and, and so that's, uh, and the, the idling can take the aspect of the storm, which is the power of the sea and the destroyer or the aspect of the sea, which is kind of this calm. And they describe it as this edge of the, of the abyss. Um, and you know, you think about them down in their deepest, the darkest places in their, you know, kind of a void of senses kind of space that, that it's the, the, the other side of that whole dichotomy of them. Uh, the the destroyer the the chaotic sea and then the the calm abyss uh, which is kind of a, a cool aspect of kind of them as a character you know as characters of how they how they use all of this again in their whole relationship to the soul and and uh and then their relationship still with slanesh sure yeah um which leads to what you were talking to about uh now marathi's moves uh how is that affected um how has that affected our uh the status of slanesh do you guys so her her machinations machinations have uh uh unbalanced and shifted the trap that he's currently in in the hidden gloaming in between Hish and or hish hish and ugu uh and what that's done is it's uh let a little bit of that sent out for these seekers of Slanesh. And so they've been invigorated, like, hey, like there's something something going on. They got some sense that he's Slanesh is closer to being discovered than ever before. So um the seekers of Slanesh are are going 
crazy looking for them now, like uh, are emboldened because they feel closer to success. Um, this is important because we've, we've seen things like these hints of factions to come with, you know, before, <clears throat> before uh, overlords came, there were like the, the glowing clouds, gold, golden clouds and things weren't returning from them. And um, mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, there were some, you know, like we talked about the mentions of souls disappearing to somewhere, didn't know where Nagash couldn't quite figure out where. So like, uh, it's a pretty good indicator that we might be seeing Slanesh on the horizon before too much longer. So, yeah, I, f I feel like, uh, the, the followers of Slanesh are going to figure out where, sh where he, she is at and, and mm -hmm. charge that, uh, you know, pull the full, full force towards that, yeah. uh, free and David, I would have thought you'd been more excited. Give me a I smile. <laughs> there it is. It was probably whites. Um, uh, and so that's kind of where, yeah. I mean, the the there's a lot of things that that kind of get shaken up here. We learn about them, but this this relationship to Slanesh is strong. It seems, and I wonder too, like when if Slanesh is awakened, is that going to do anything to these guys, right? Or could we get sure. a could we get a narrative campaign that we a global narrative campaign that that they host and it could go one of two ways, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they some of their faction goes over to Slanesh or is more crazed or you know shameful in their eyes or well, they conquer it. Here's a consideration about all that as well, right? So these guys were the last in, first out of Slanesh, mm -hmm. and so they spent the least time consumed by Slanesh, <laughs> and they are pretty messed up. Yeah. So what about these ones that have been in there even longer? Like, what are they looking like? So, well, aren't the daughters of Cain, like, they they were made in sort of Slanesh's image a little bit? Or, well, Marathi was specifically. Like, her monstrous form is, like, yep. right. exactly. Slanesh, right? Good example, so. um, and I, I feel like the other ones are, too. I just read it, but I... I, I got to confess to not having read that uh, battle tome yet, so I can't kind of remember the other. But um, So there's that, Um, but, like... It was said, and I don't remember what book it was, but I mean, we we, we know two out of the four uh, god or you know at least powerful like elven pantheon folks what what their armies look like. We see Marathi's army, we see Teclis's army. Oh, yeah. Assuming it's the only one, um, but with Slanesh, does that mean we get our our Tyrian elves and we get our Malarian elves? Like yeah, uh, Tyrian, Tyrian elves. Like it was said again. I don't know where I, I gotta look it up, but like his host is a little bit more angelic. Which how like they were all sitting in Slanesh. I don't know how that works. And then the Malarian cohort is is more monstrous, which makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, I mean, if I had my druthers, it'd all happen at the same time, and we'd get them one after the other. Um, well, that's, when I heard that there was going to be two elf releases this this uh, spring or you know fall winter spring, I was a little worried that they were going to pull the trigger too soon on uh, Tyrion and um, uh, Malarian. Uh, I was not even fathoming these two releases. Um, fathoming. Uh, yeah. So, so I was, I'm happy to, to know that that's still out there. And I think that they're going to be, I think there's going to, you know, not this year, but probably next year, there's going to be, you know, just another chance to, to swing back around to see what happens out of this story, which is cool. I, I'm really sure. excited for that. Um, any, any big kind of world changing things that you guys want to call out before we, before we go, did you discover anything new about this world that you didn't know before? There's a secret army of elves under the ocean. I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, just 
well, that, well, that's world changing. I mean, in a way it is that like, we're going to see more and more of them sort of rising to the surface and trying to seek out allies or, you know, you know, insert themselves into worldly affairs. Um, as the age of Sigmar marches on, we're, I think it, it's pretty clear that they're, they're going to be forced to interact with folks um, more often than not. We're getting already alliances between, um, after an initial alliance was shot down with the Stormcast, they're, they're sort of coming back around to it. Um, so just to see how they're going to inter interact and involve themselves in the, the stories that continue, like in the other books, the novels that we'll continue to read as time goes on. Davey, did you get pull anything out that uh, surprised you? Not really anything that we haven't already talked about. I, I think the uh, more information about the imprisonment of Slanesh and, uh, and I didn't really piece it together until we were just talking now that like, uh, this idea of they're each, I mean, pulling each of these elven pantheon, elven gods are trying to create, use these souls to create something uh, in their own way. And so I, that's, that's pretty interesting to think about what those will look like. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think having some hints about where, where we're headed next. Um, there was the Necroquake um, yeah. that uh, Nagash unleashed, which was, uh, basically this big discharge of necromantic power which shook all the realms uh, and is another thing that's forcing the Idaneth to uh, get involved is because requests for help are coming from all over yeah. um, some teams and others so um, one of the when they were talking about um, allying with the Stormcast the first um, enclave to meet the Stormcast were the uh, Domhain which are kind of the savage and barbaric in you know in Gur, and they went to fight them, uh, but they discovered that they could not sever the souls of the Stormcast. Uh, so they decided to to work with them. Right, they, they were not of any use to them. Like, my bad. Um, <laughs> what I wonder though, too, is that 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 means that the again, obviously, it makes sense. Stormcast are the the golden uh, kids of of the the stories. Or um, turquoise. Uh, <laughs> but that seems like that could pose a problem for Nagash as well. If uh, obviously Nagash is the great necromancer, and so uh, I can't imagine that the Ideneth power over souls is as strong as his. Mm -hmm. um, but it could mean that uh, those souls are are uh, chained with stronger stuff uh, than what we expected. So you know, uh undead stormcast or you know evil stormcast uh, rumors may i don't know it might be harder than we think sure so uh and then skaven uh there was one thing where the skaven fleet went down in submersibles in uh the carcasses of sea monsters infested with rats yeah that was pretty amazing super cool gross. yeah <laughs> <We're all> gross. <laughs> uh anything else just generally do want to just say whether or not did you like it? Tell, tell me, did you like it? I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it, uh, I thought it fit well as an age of Sigmar army, like wackadoo, but I thought they uh, constructed it well together. And, you know, I'm assuming, I don't know, like just the crack in the code, like how can we save this, you know, these, it, if you did a action from the sea, but didn't let them bring their sea creatures, then they're just kind of, Guys who are still wet from you know Just running out of the water. Trailing <laughs> like puddles behind them. So they did a good job with that, and then uh, you know working in whatever direction they worked, but to to get the um, 
I don't like we talked about with the um, searching for that isolation after being, you know, um, whatever in the in the Lord of Excess, you know, trapped in there forever. Like all those pieces fit together uh, pretty well for me. Um, so uh, I thought it was I thought it was good. I, I gave it a thumbs up. I was not I will uh, I wasn't you know opposed to the idea, but I wasn't especially excited about it until I started reading some of the background. Um, and that actually started with some of the Malay importance stories. And I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool and uh, reinforced with that this book. So, yeah, um, yeah, I the the East Claw Raiders came to mind a number of times uh, as I was reading through this, just thinking of another race that's um, kind of uh, running away from its past. Um, you know, formed kinships with these beasts uh, and is constantly on the move. Um, and and I loved the Beast Claw Raiders. I thought they brought a ton of, of you know, more depth to that faction than in the past. But I think where the, the deep kin kind of have a couple of legs up is just in the conflict within the, the, uh, the race itself, um, that, that, that gray area of being not, uh, being created from the light, but being so tainted with the dark that, uh, you know, they're afraid of it. Uh, so I think that there's just so much to play with in that area of like, are they good? Are they bad? Are they order? Are they, you know, are they chaos? Um, and being able to not have just black and white, um, kind of, uh, army or a, a story, uh, that we get, we get something complex to, to chew on a little bit. Um, I, I really appreciate that because there's a lot of places to go. You know, we have a lot of, you know, all good and all bad um, playing with this in between space, I think is very modern and, and I think fits. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I've talked about it at great length, but uh, chaos is more interesting when they're not just a hundred percent one way, when they're relatable, um, <laughs> the, the more complex factions are more interesting. Um, so anytime they introduce that, whether it's with existing stuff or something new, uh, there's just more to chew on, like you said. 100% agree. Sure. Um, from my vantage point, uh, as I don't know if I ever talk about it here, but with you guys, I always talk about I'm always looking for patterns or like just sort of like group things together. And so there's with Age of Sigmar, uh, GW's sort of approached armies in a few different types of ways, um, whether it's like you just say chaos, they're building off their chaos armies, but um, either they're going to take a sort of small subgroup of a already like eighth exist eighth edition existing faction, taking some part of it and expanding out to a bigger army, like the Sylvaneth or the Darters of Cain or what have you. But then recently with this release, and I guess KO is a real similar release, they they took something that like you we all knew as like fans of fantasy, not just Warhammer fantasy, but just fantasy as a whole, and took you know sort of the essence of a given race and then just changed one thing and, and showed how that would look how, how mm -hmm. if you took them out of their element changed one thing out of, about it and what a new army would look like in that sense so if you took dwarves and you, they're still greedy and they're still into money and they're still gruff uh but instead of living underground you put them up on an airship what's that look like like how does that yeah. change things yeah. um how, how do you take what you know about them and turn it on its head to make a new thing and i think these deep are very indicative of that as well you've got your your sneaky elves your mysterious elves your magical elves um, hit and run, you know, very, you know, glass cannony sort of stuff, uh, aloof, um, 
isolationist, uh, you know, the, you can go on and on, but instead of sticking them in the woods, what does it look like if those same elves lived under the, uh, underwater, under, under the ocean, um, take everything you knew about them and just change the setting. And how does that create a brand new thing? Um, and so I like to sort of see how that, see how that happens, see how they execute on that and see the models that we get because of it. Um, and then also I just like the idea of, it gets me thinking about what the next thing, like what, what's the next version of that? What's what's another race combination that you're not used to seeing? Um, and I don't even have an answer. Like they're, they're so out there that I don't know what the next one could be. Um, but I like that they're trying. Like you, you heard it said that Age of Sigmar was a chance for GW to really create stuff that's very uniquely or their own. And this is, I mean, case in point, this is exactly that. So uh, kudos. Yeah. Cool. Digging it. Yeah. I'm gonna pick me up a couple of these to to use in some armies and some allies. Uh, no, you are. Uh, but uh, who knows when? <laughs> Got to get to a load of other ideas too. So right now, right now. Um, cool. Well, thanks guys for uh, reading through this and 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 uh, getting together and and talking cool through these cool stories. Real big chore. So you're welcome. <laughs> so are we ready? Hit me. All right. It's time for our reforging. Like I said, like and subscribe our YouTube channel, comment below, leave a review for us on iTunes, or follow us on Twitter at Mortal Realms. Davey, where can we find you? I'm at red underscore Zeke, and you should also uh, hit up Paul since he couldn't be here today. We didn't vote him off the island, but he's at PGA Shard, S C H A R D, and uh, tweet at him, see if he's got any crazy uh, conspiracy theories about this book. Oh, yeah. gosh. We'll have to do it again and, and bring him back. You can get me actually, so a different Twitter handle. I'm, I'm changing it up. So you can get me at, at uh, D-O-S-A-C-E-O-S. Go follow him. It's terrible. Yeah, it's real bad. Stream, I don't write go do it. And you can find me, Eric, at Stone Monk Gamer. Uh, thanks for uh, listening and look forward to uh, joining you guys again in just a few days. Is that true? What? Foreshadowing. Oh, I, wait, I have to stop it. I'm running it today. <laughs> this is weird. Bro, I'm just going to keep going. Know. I'm not going to hit it. It's still no. going. <laughs>